Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. But not today. Not today. Not this day. <laughs> I feel like that's from a movie. <laughs> I, think it, I think it is. I was about to ask you what movie is that from. <laughs> so the oh, day. okay. But it is not this day. A day may come okay. when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship, but it is not this day. Yeah. An hour of woes and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down, but it is not this day. This day we fight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was... That was really good. That was super geeky. Yep, super geeky. <laughs> Accidentally quoting Lord of the Rings. And that's actually my favorite Lord of the Rings movie. Good job. <laughs> yeah. So, Aaron, I did a thing. You did a thing. I did a thing. I cleaned, which you know is like a huge deal. It's a huge deal. You cleaned. What did you clean? I cleaned like everything <laughs> in my whole house. Like, your like house. I made a, I made a mess. In order to clean, you know, you know, when you're so you're cleaning so thoroughly that it becomes a bigger mess. You know, you what move I mean? everything from one place to another. Right. Because you're trying to clean everything like yeah. super, super thorough. Yeah. So for like the past year and a half, maybe longer, you would know because you do our editing. I've been recording from my dining room, which is all windows. Which is not an ideal place to podcast, by the way. It's not, it's not, not great. Yeah, not great for sound. It's not great. And the reason was because I had created a pile on top of my desk that was like a foot tall of random crap, like Funko Pops and other things and stuffed animals and clothes and who knows what else. And in the process of the cleaning, I cleaned my desk and I have reclaimed my desk space, which is my podcasting place. And I added some more toys to my wall and a giant Star Wars sign that came from JCPenney, which by the way, I noticed last night, if my window is open to my bedroom and you come and park in my parking lot of my apartment and you look up and the lights on in the bedroom, all you see is a giant Star Wars sign <laughs> from the parking lot. That's awesome. <laughs> It's so dorky. It's great. But yeah, so I and I also got my bookshelves together and stuff. And so now I'm like, wow, I should really arrange my books better. Yeah. So you have you, you have reclaimed your podcasting corner. I have. I have. <laughs> you know what I need more of? Forces of Destiny dolls. And they don't have any new ones yet at my Target. So I still just have like the three that I have or four. Wait, one, two. Yeah, four. You, four. You've already lost count. But I hope we get new ones soon because we got a new season of Forces of Destiny shorts. We got eight of them. It's pretty good stuff. Did you watch them all yet? Yes, I did. Just the other day. I've, I went on YouTube and watched them all back to back to back to back um, with my son sitting next to me. So. Oh, yeah. What did he think? He like, I mean, he, like he said once to me, he's serious about Porgs. Oh. And so he... He really liked the Porgs episode. Um, yeah. And then he really liked the Luke 
and Yoda episode just because there's certain characters that catch his eye, and mm-hmm. Yoda is one of those characters. Makes so he, sense. he really liked that one too. Yeah, the Porgs one is probably one of the best ones. Yeah, it was funny. And like, I'm, I've, you know, we've joked around about me not loving Porgs. Um, but I actually really liked that episode a lot. I thought it was fun. If, if you're going to put Porgs in anything, a little, you know, three minute animated episode is where they should be. I think they were really well done. So the company that did, or that does Forces of Forces of Destiny is Ghostbot, who did the animation in the whatever episode, Wolves in a Door. For uh, Rebels. For Rebels. Yeah. For, for those two. So it's the same company. And I think they did really great with the animation of Porgs. I thoroughly enjoyed the scene where they're jumping off the cliff to like dive into the water because that's like something out of Happy Feet. I was like, that that's awesome. It's like penguins. It was very penguin-like, yes. It was very penguin-like. And then when Ray is talking about, like, you can help me with my training anytime, blah, blah, blah. And they're all like, me, 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 me. I want to help. I want to help. <laughs> I was like, this is so awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I, it was a short little episode. Um, I liked the fact that, that she ended up using the force to kind of catch yeah. the one. And it was like that was cool. kind of midair. That was kind of cool, and um, otherwise, you know, she would have lost that lightsaber maybe if if that thing had jumped into the water. So yeah, it was it was a short. I mean, a lot of these episodes, they're just there's not a lot of weight to them. You know, no, they're not they're adding to, two or you know, three minutes big things to the to the lore of Star Wars. But um, you know, an episode like this that it felt very much like a cutscene from the Last Jedi. You know, it just felt like it fit right into kind of the feel on that island with the porgs and everything. So I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, well, you know which one? There was one that does kind of give some weight to the lore of Star Wars is Bounty Hunted, which has Leia meeting Maz Kanata in how she gets the bounty hunter outfit that she goes to Jabba's palace in to save Han. Yes. I thought that was way cool. I was like, oh my goodness. And then Maz tells Chewie, I like this one. She's a keeper. <laughs> Well, doesn't Chewie like pick her up? Yeah, and, like, he give gives her a, her big a hug, hug and she's yeah. like, "My boyfriend." My boyfriend. Yeah, that was cool. Like it all that that was probably my favorite episode of these eight, mm-hmm. um, because it had the connection where you get to see Maz with Chewie and Leia. You get to see Leia be awesome and mm-hmm. you know fight and kick some butt, and then you kind of figure out you get to see how she got the outfit and that Maz was kind of involved in that. Like it all. It all was really cool, and now when you kind of watch that those scenes in Return of the Jedi with her in that outfit, you can like think back to this and be like, okay, now I know kind of the backstory. Yeah. There were some other cool ones. There was one with Jin that I kind of liked. I didn't really like the other characters that were in it, but I liked Jin's part in it. I thought it was really good. And then the Hera and Sabine one kind of, I think it's like season two Sabine. You know, or like season one or two, Sabine, because she's still really new, doesn't she's jumping into stuff, not thinking stuff through, that kind of thing. They stole the wrong shuttle. Yeah. Some good chopper moments in that one. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. It was pretty good. Pretty good. But if you haven't checked out Forces of Destiny yet, you should, and you can go to the Disney YouTube, and they're all on there. And I think they are doing a like 30 minute TV special for these episodes of forces of destiny. 
Yeah, but it's a it's a decent amount of content now. And I the animation style, it's very basic and mm. I like it. I would love to see if they were ever going to do like a full animated series, like full like 22 minute episodes. Um I would I would like them to stay with this animation style but maybe refine it just a little bit. Um but I actually really like this this style. I was I was noticing that as I was, I was watching them this time. I'm like, I actually really like this this style of animation, and the characters all look really cool. That I would I could actually see them doing a full animated series. I don't know if they ever would, but I would be okay with the style if they stuck with it. Yeah, I agree. I am the same way. So there actually is 16 plus eight episodes. I'm, I'm not good at math. Uh, so whatever that is, is how many episodes There's we 24 have. 24 episodes. Thank you. Thank you for the math. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So that's, yeah, that's a decent amount of yeah. time. Um, so if you kind of like put them all together, it'd be almost like a little movie. A little movie. Well, in case you weren't aware, since we haven't talked about books at all so far, this is Star Wars Bookworms number 88, and we do have a book we are going to review for you. It has been out for quite a while, but we were sort of taking our time getting to it as we were taking our time reading through it and also reading other things at the same time, and that is From a Certain Point of View. Yes. I'm excited. <laughs> this was one that we kind of, we didn't know how to come at it, you know? No. Nope. There's 40 different stories, and we're like, oh, if we took, if we tried to review all 40 stories, that would take quite a while, so maybe we just pick some, and we kind of kept putting it off because we weren't sure exactly how to cover it, and now we've it's been enough time that we're like, you know what, let's just pick some of the stories, and let's just talk about it <laughs> before it, before too much time <laughs> has passed. Yeah, it came out October 3rd, 2017, and obviously published by Del Rey. And the publisher's summary is as follows. In honor of the 40th anniversary of Star Wars A New Hope, this collection features Star Wars stories by best-selling authors, trend-setting artists, and treasured voices from Star Wars literary history. More than 40 authors have lent their unique vision to 40 scenes, each retelling a different moment from the original Star Wars film, but with a twist. Every scene is told from the point of view of a background character, whether it's the X-Wing pilots who helped Luke destroy the Death Star or the stormtroopers who never quite could find the droids they were looking for. Star Wars, from a certain point of view, places the classic movie in a whole new perspective and celebrates the influence and legacy of the unparalleled cultural phenomenon, Star Wars. So like we were saying, we're definitely not covering every story from this, but we did want to talk about some of our favorites and some from some of our favorite authors. Um, so we're going to do a handful of stories. I think we picked like, what, seven that we're going to talk about? Yep. And I actually kind of have some additional information. I don't know if you ever bought the audiobook, did you? Oh, no, I actually haven't. So you did You did do the audiobook. So that's a whole different perspective, huh? Uh-huh. And it took them a while to compile a list of the authors or not the authors the narrators and that's one of the questions they asked when i first got the audiobook i'm like who is narrating this stuff and it took a while but we finally have that and then also the audiobook is not set up with the chapters having the names of the stories like each chapter is a few or each story is a few chapters and there was a Reddit thread that someone actually broke it all down of what story 
is which starts at which chapter. So as we're talking about them, I'll be able to tell you guys who narrated it and tell you about what it sounded like and then also where to look for it in the audiobook for it, oh, <laughs> which cool. is a very helpful. Yeah, and they even had some like celebrities do some of these stories, right? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I actually haven't had a chance to hear any of the audiobooks, so I'm I'm really curious to to hear your take on some of these stories. Um, did you... So I'm guessing that there was nothing in the audiobook about the Jeffrey Brown story, right? The Jeffrey Brown story. Yeah, so, it's, so in the novel, it's just an illustration. Uh, I'm looking at my list. Far Too Remote is the title. Far Too Remote... No, and so I haven't seen that because the book is in my car, and I just have the... Oh, so you haven't seen it? No. Okay, I'm going to literally take a picture of it right now because it's one panel. So you know the Darth Vader and Son books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sitting right there on my shelf. That's clean. (laughs) So this is... Jeffrey Brown is the author of those, and he his entry into this is just a just a little comic. So I, oh, I, cute. I figured that it wouldn't be part of the audiobook. Um, but I was like, I wonder if Teresa even has seen this yet. If she only did the audiobook. I have not. And I thought it'd be easy to talk about since it's literally one page. Okay. I'm looking at it far too remote. Meanwhile, on Dan Tween, something tells me they aren't really here. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's spelled wrong. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I I thought that was funny because I know we both read the, you know, Darth Vader and Son books and we talked about Jeffrey Brown and I didn't even realize, like, I just found this today because I was kind of jumping around and reading the stories and, and I haven't <laughs> read so all of the stories yet. So I just came across this and I was like, oh, this is so funny. So I, I, and I figured you hadn't seen it yet. So No, that's great. That was yeah. fantastic. Well done, Jeffrey Brown. So essentially what it is, is it's a drawing. And on the top, it says, meanwhile, on Dantooine. And there's an Imperial shuttle in the background. And you see, like, this general guy and a bunch of stormtroopers. And they're on Dantooine. And the rebel base is made up of cardboard boxes. And it says rebel, R-E-B-U-L. And then base and the S is backwards. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Something tells me they aren't really here. Yep, that's a good one. (laughs) That was good. Well done. Good one to start with. All right. Well, the first one we have is called The Bucket, and it is by Christy Golden, and it's about Tarvin Larica, or Larica, or whatever. (laughs) I don't know. So, The Bucket. Yeah, The Bucket is narrated by Mark Thompson, so, you know, esteemed Star Wars narrator. Yes. He's done five million things. And if you're in the audiobook and you're trying to figure out where the bucket is, it is chapter eight is where it starts and it goes to chapter twelve. Okay. Eight to twelve. Yeah, so you mentioned this one and I knew I had read it because I had read or listened all the way up to the Boba Fett story, which is added muscle. I had listened all the way up to there. So I knew I had read it, but I couldn't remember it. And so I had to go back. And then when I re-listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah, that one. (laughs) So it didn't stick out to me like it did for you. Yeah, this one stood out to me partially because it was written by Christy Golden, um, who we've we've talked to on the podcast. Mm -hmm. 
um, with con- convention interviews. And, you know, some of the stuff that she's written is, is stuff that you and I really like. Um, right. So that, f- first of all, is kind of why it stuck out to me. But then as I was reading it, basically the story is the stormtrooper who was part of the group of stormtroopers that, um, you know, meet up with Princess Leia and stun her in, in A New Hope um, and then take her to Vader. And I just thought this story was was pretty interesting. Um, the character that this is about, um, Tarvin Lareka, is actually in Inferno Squad. Really? Yeah. So the character just has a very brief appearance in Inferno Squad, where he has a conversation with uh, Iden Versio. But I guess because it's the same, because Christy Golden wrote Inferno Squad as well, she kind of oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, slipped him in to there so i thought that was something i wasn't aware of i just came across that information today i thought that was kind of cool and then they mentioned things like they he talks about the battle of scarif um Mm. and then just kind of the whole gist of the story is that when he first meets leia she doesn't she's not at all what he was expecting Mm -hmm. and and he he kind of sees her and quickly based just on how you know, the, the presence that she has, like he kind of realizes why um, she's so important to the rebellion and why people follow her. And then, um, but he also sees like, cause she looks at him and she, he just sees like hatred in her eyes. And he kind of talks about how, because they're behind these masks, they have these helmets on all the time that, you know, Leia is looking at him as a representation of the empire, but and hating him for it, but not looking at him as like a human being. Right, like they're just disposable. Right, and so, um, and so that's kind of the narrative throughout the story, talking about how he's able to hide his emotions when he has the mask on or when he has the helmet on, and he kind of becomes just, you know, it, he he's no longer an individual. And so, at the very end of the story, as he's kind of walking away from Leia, he takes his helmet off so she can see his face to kind mm-hmm. of remind her, you know, that he he's not just, you know, a robot, like he is a human being. Um, so I don't know, I just thought that was kind of a cool way to look at it from the imperial perspective. And um, I like the story. So yeah, you know, reading it a second time, I think it's definitely stuck with me more. And he talks about, you know, what he looks like and all this stuff. There's so much detail and I think that was really important. He talks about the detail of like looking at Leia and everything. And he also talks about his anger or how he feels about the fact that she just, you know, shot without even thinking about it, you know, and yeah, they weren't like, expecting they had to stun her. Yeah. Like they thought they were overconfident going to capture her. And then when she, you know, pulls out a gun and, and kills his commanding officer, um, that kind of changed his perspective a little bit. Yeah, but he does, he does at the end, he also is like, you know, transfer me down there, you know, or wherever. Doesn't he? Yeah. He, he, he asked specifically to be, transferred. to be transferred down to the, to the surface because he says something about like, I can shoot them out of the sky, but I can't shoot them in the heart. Like he, I guess because of his interaction or his encounter with Leia and actually seeing kind of the face of the rebellion, Mm-hmm. Um, it made it made the war a little bit more real to him, and so he didn't like kind of that face to face, that close of combat. I guess. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And this story comes right after the story called Ramus, which is written by Gary Witta. And Ramus is all about uh, Antilles, Ramus Antilles. And so it comes right off of him describing his side of getting captured and killed and, you know, all that stuff. in sort of like being tracked down by the Empire. So it, it goes in order of the film, which is really, really cool. So you can follow along with it that way, which is nice. Right. Yeah. And Tarvin even talks about kind of his fear, you know, of Vader and like seeing Vader actually oh, kill yeah. Antilles. And like he, he even describes hearing the bones of his neck crack. Oh, yeah, that's right. He um, goes really in depth on that detail. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a... It's always interesting to hear kind of a different perspective. And I guess that's kind of what this whole book is all about. All these stories are kind of told from, you know, a different perspective. So we get to see scenes from the movie and, but just from a different angle. Um, a so, different point of view. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the next one we have is the Sith of data work by Ken Liu. And, the audiobook for this one is narrated by January Lavoie, and she's awesome. She did, um, oh, what else has she done? She's done some other stuff she for did Star Leia. Wars. She did, did she Bloodline? Did she do Princess of Alderaan and Bloodline? I think she did. I know she did Bloodline. She did Bloodline. She did Phasma. She was, she was Phasma. Yeah, she did Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void, The Perfect Weapon, Bloodline, Phasma. So oh, okay. a lot. there we go. Yeah. Um, so the Sith of data work is the next story right after the bucket. It starts on chapter 13 of the audiobook and goes to chapter 16 of the audiobook. Uh, I really liked the narration of January Lavoie. I think that's actually part of the reason that I really liked this story. So this was one of the ones that I picked. This one is all about a fleet logistics liaison. She's on the Devastator. Star Destroyer, the Devastator. Her name is Avira. And basically the whole thing with her is that she knows the ins and outs of all the paperwork that the Imperials have to turn in to the point that she knows about every form that could get anybody out of anything at any point in time. And because she knows it so well, people bribe her all the time to help them with getting, like, submitting their paperwork and everything. And so they call her the Sith of data work because it's like her thing. (laughs) And I just thought it was so incredibly cool. So in this one, uh, Gunnery Captain Bolvin needs assistance because he is the one that let the pod with the droids go down to the surface of Tatooine. And he needs to get out of... (laughs) you know, basically letting an escape pod go that had the Death Star plans on it. And so the whole story is the interaction between the two of them and trying not to get in trouble for not realizing it earlier. And she's just like, this character is brilliant. (laughs) She's just awesome. Yeah, I thought it was funny that they, they gave a reason as to why they didn't shoot down the escape pod. Yeah. Because of the the whole idea that they get credit for the number of kills that they get per shot fired. Mm-hmm. And that by shooting a shot at an empty escape pod would like lower their scores, basically. 
and they didn't want and that like directly uh, went into their like performance reviews. Mm-hmm. So it was very, it was kind of funny to see that. So now I, every time I watch that scene in a new hope now, I'm going to be like, Oh, they, they didn't want to mess up their scores. They let it go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the whole idea of them, you know, her being able to kind of manipulate paperwork and say, okay, fill out this form and then you fill out this form and then this, you know, and so it was kind of cool to see her, you know, go through all of that as the guy's trying to keep up, you know, Bolden. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, well, why would I do that? And she's like, okay, just try to keep up with me. Yeah. She's like, so you do this and then you do this. And like, as she goes through the whole thing, like it makes so much sense as to why you would do that. You know, it, it it's hard to, it's hard to explain all of it because it's all based on form numbers, you know, so this form and that form and it's super complicated, but it makes it seem like so simple. Yeah. It was kind of like, um, they were, they were going to try to fill out one form that would f- cause the only other witness to be outside of the ship. So Vader oh, would right. Yeah, yeah. And then him. there was like window cleaning yeah. or something and like something else was ordered something on that day. The trigger mechanism wasn't working correctly. Right. So they filled out a form about that. And then, yeah, the cleaning thing. So the windows were going to be covered. So that's why they didn't see it. Yeah. The whole, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun to follow that. All right. Well, the next one is another pick of mine, and this is probably the biggest standout story to me out of the whole book of everything I've read. And I haven't read everything. I've kind of started to skip around sort of like you did. But it's called The Red One by Ray Carson, and it's all about R5-D4, who is our red protocol droid in the Sandcrawler. And The Red One is narrated by Mark Thompson, again, who has done five million Star Wars things. And the red one starts on chapter 30 and goes to chapter 34 of the audiobook. And the narration for this was beautifully done. And I think he gave so much personality to R5 that I was laughing at times. I cried. (laughs) Um, The story got me super emotional when I read it the first time and the second time. And there's something about the way that Ray Carson writes that I am so incredibly excited because she is writing a Star Wars um, young adult novel for Solo, the Solo books. And so I'm just like, (laughs) so pumped. But yeah, so this one is basically the story of R5 and how he goes about his life on the Sandcrawler and then R2 and 3PO showing up and all them like getting sold and you know R2 appeals to him and is like no I need to go like I have stuff I need to do like it's so important it's important to the rebellion and all this stuff and R5 sacrifices himself he goes within himself and blows up his motivator on his own so that R2 can continue. And this was like his dedication to the rebellion and to the fight was to blow up himself. <laughs> and I was just like, it was at that point when he makes that decision and he says that he's he's R2-D2's only hope and he's going to he's gonna do this and all this stuff. And I was like, no! I was like, don't do it, R5. <laughs> well, you're acting like he, he killed himself or something. He's he's well, fine. But he's I know he's still alive, but it's just like, oh my gosh, like you would make that sacrifice to not go to a home so that 
R2 can continue on his mission. It was just like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Like... It was really well, the story was really well told because you do get the sense of, um, you do you do end up caring about this character. And he's just, you know, he's just a droid, but you get to see everything from his perspective. But then you also get to get into R2-D2's head a little bit too. Which yeah, that was also cool. We don't get, you know, we get to hear the beeps and boops all the time from him, and we can kind of tell his personality from that. But to actually hear dialogue, so like when he's talking, when R five is talking to R two, like they don't do beeps and boops. They, you know, they give us the full dialogue, which, which I was, was amazing. I love that. That was just, I don't know what other word to use other than gorgeous. Like I love the whole thing. I love it. And. It was funny because we do know R2 as a bit of a troublemaker and kind of rude and kind of even a little like underhanded sometimes. And he doesn't come across that way in this in this story at all. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I was like, wow, is R2 literally like pretending to be this like really nice droid just to get this droid to do what he wants him to do? Like, is he that manipulative? Mm-hmm. that's kind of how i read it i didn't read it as because as he's saying his lines like oh i really need your help i'm like r2 would never act like that <laughs> like, he would just be like you're gonna help me so i think he... well in the beginning of the story r2 tries to sabotage r5 because yeah. he sees another you know like our our unit i don't say r2 unit but astromech. r2 astromech unit yeah. and so he tries to sabotage him and then they have this whole conversation about the rebellion and how r2d2 is like the rebellion's last hope because he has this stuff and r5 is like well i need to get off the sand crawler because otherwise i'm gonna die and r2's like you know i have a master and if i don't find him like the galaxy is gonna die and then r2 promises r5 that he won't ever hurt him again and then they get there and like you know, Owen buys 3PO and then he buys R5 and R5 is so excited. And then he remembers what R2 had told him. And then it's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and like R2 had, he was trying to sabotage him, but he had done something to R5 to allow him to bypass like whatever R5 had in, in his programming that he couldn't be deceitful. Mm. Do you remember that? Mm. And so, but suddenly he was able to, and that's why he was able to do the whole pretend that he blows up his motivator. Mm, um, yeah, it, that's right. It was all, you know, him just putting on a show so they wouldn't buy him. Um, and so that was kind of cool to find out that although R2 did seem like he was sabotaging R5, in reality, he was actually just giving R5 the ability to be free of his programming. So in a way he was helping R5. Um, so it was nice. It was nice to see that interaction, um, and get to see a little bit more from R2 than what we get in the movies. Yeah. And then at the end, R5 survives the massacre of like the Jawas Jawas and all this stuff. And, and he, uh, escapes on his own to find his own owner. And he hopes that he too gets to join the rebellion. And I was just like, it's so cute. It's the best ever. I don't know. I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was so great. Yeah, that was a good story. That was a good pick. That's one I would have picked as well. So the next one, I don't know if this was me or you. I mean, it's another one I think we both would have picked. I, you know, after reading it, it's definitely one that would have been on my list. 
Yeah. So this is Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. And the primary character in this is Qui-Gon Jinn, which I can't pass up a good Qui-Gon Jinn story. So you what? So Master and Apprentice is narrated by Jonathan Davis, who is another renowned Star Wars book narrator. And Master and Apprentice starts on chapter 41 and goes through chapter 44 in the audiobook. And Jonathan Davis does an amazing job and he has a great voice for Qui-Gon Jinn. Like, it's not Liam Neeson, but it's so good. It's, it's awesome. And the story is like all force filled, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They they mentioned the wills at mm-hmm. one point. Um, it it was really cool to hear everything from Qui Gon's perspective as he's one with the Force already, mm-hmm. and kind of like even as he was talking about you know taking taking on the form that he can actually communicate with Obi Wan, and the feeling of like you know, flesh wrapping around his bones and like kind of the kind of becoming himself again. And he actually could feel that was interesting. Um, yeah, every, this was such a really, just a really cool story um, because we never really hear about or heard about the communion between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan um, on Tatooine. And so now we know that like actually during the events of A New Hope, when Obi-Wan was waiting for Luke to come back after the, the Jawas had been massacred. Mm-hmm. Like and he, his aunt and uncle. And his, yeah, he's like, he's going through all this doubt and Qui-Gon is like trying to talk to him, but also is just like, Hey, you know, time isn't linear and you know, he already kind of knows what's going to happen, but he can't really tell that to Obi-Wan. And so it's, right. it was all very interesting. It was very cool. And you know, we we get a sense that Qui-Gon didn't want Obi-Wan to have to be alone on this planet for so many years. And so he's been communing with him over this entire time that Obi-Wan has been on Tatooine. But Obi-Wan makes a makes an observation that Qui-Gon is near a corporeal in this particular instance, which basically means he almost looks like a real person. He doesn't just look like a like a force ghost type of situation and obi-wan makes a comment of like wanting to learn this and qui-gon knows that he's about to and all this stuff and qui-gon talks about just how amazing obi-wan kenobi is and he's so courageous and to do what he did and all this stuff and he talks about how much obi-wan is lost but all the people that he's truly loved and they mention satine and padme and all this stuff and that basically all of them have died and it's just like, wow, that's true. I had forgotten just how much Obi-Wan has gone through and like his amount of loss and he actually that he's to, experienced. Like he and I hadn't thought about that either until I was reading this story where he actually witnessed the deaths of of those three characters. It wasn't that they just died, like he actually was there for their deaths. Yeah, for Satine, for Padme and Qui-Gon, and then he makes a comment about that, you know, one that death would have been better which is anakin of course right but man it's such a good story claudia gray does a great job of writing about the force and the way she describes it and describes him coming into the force and then describes him letting go and like becoming back one with the force 
which I think is amazing. And at the end of it, he it says like that the most important lesson or something like that is to let go. And I was like, rebels. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh, how it all ties together. Yeah. And, but um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this story. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, there was something that I was wanting to. Oh, they he, they were talking about how Obi Wan had he was kind of waiting on Tatooine for all these years, waiting to get back into the fight, mm-hmm. and he was still having this perspective kind of like an old school Jedi that just wants to get out there and be a Jedi, you know, and he hasn't been able to be a Jedi for so long, but Qui-Gon kind of knows that's not really his role anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of interesting to hear, you know, Qui-Gon's perspective on that. Um, and Qui-Gon's Qui-Gon also knew that Obi-Wan was going to die soon. Right. You know? So Obi-Wan had this, this idea that he was still going to be a big part of, you know, kind of the ongoing rebellion, but really his role wasn't, wasn't to do that his role was to lead luke um and then so when qui-gon's like oh i'll see you soon and obi-wan is kind of like oh because we're gonna commune again soon and qui-gon's like no it's you know in his mind he's like no it's because you're gonna be actually joining me in the force um very soon so yeah it's pretty cool okay so the next one we decided to kind of do together because this author is writing Han Solo last shot. And so that book is getting ready to come out. So this is our first taste of Daniel Jose older, as far as a writer and his story is born in the storm. And I wasn't sure what the story was really going to be about. To be honest, I was like, what is this born in the storm? What does that mean? It's about a stormtrooper that loves dewbacks. It's about a stormtrooper that loves dewbacks. So, Born in the Storm is actually narrated by Daniel Jose Older, which he needs to narrate more Star Wars books <laughs> because, <laughs> holy crap, he did a great job. Uh, Born in the Storm starts on Chapter 93 and goes to Chapter 98 in the audiobook. But he did a great job as a narrator, and it actually made me like really really enjoy the story so you talk about it first because i think you and i have very different opinions on this oh you think so i think so um yeah this one i actually really i like the story i thought it was interesting kind of like the the one we were talking about before the bucket where you're getting it from a stormtrooper's perspective this stormtrooper was a little bit different in personality than the other stormtrooper we had talked about um he was almost kind of very abrasive type of character um you know i've i've had friends or at least acquaintances that kind of have this personality and he's not necessarily the kind of person you would want to be like um you know he's very you know his language is harsh he says mean things to other alien species he says (laughs) very uh insensitive things about other alien species Uh, you can see maybe why he joined the empire um, because he didn't necessarily have a love for uh, other people, but and he had this weird interest in Dubak. Do- so I, I was kind of this whole story was just a little weird for me, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, I was just kind of like, okay, I don't know how much of this is just Daniel Jose Older's writing style, and or how much of this is just this character that he was writing about this specific character. 
you know you don't see where you don't typically see you know dialogue in a Star Wars book that talks about having too much sand in your butt crack. That was amazing. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Or like some of the language was a little kind of like crass. And I was just like, okay, you know, this is, I was enjoying reading. I thought it was funny, but at the same time, it just didn't feel similar to kind of what I was used to in Star Wars literature. So I'm like, okay, is this the, is the Han Solo book going to be like this? Or is this just this character's personality? And that's what's coming through. Well, in audiobook form, it was fantastic. It was the voice was perfect. So his voice it, that he plays for this character, I thought was just so incredibly good. And this Imperial is filling out an incident report. And so there's also a voice for the, for the like robot on the, the data pad or whatever that's right. asking him to fill out the stuff. So it's kind of hilarious because he's responding to the voice and and I did really appreciate his language. I appreciate the crassness of it because I was like, that would be me. There would be I would be the stormtrooper that's like the most sand ever in all the uncomfortable places and just totally sassy and like completely just pissed off that I have to be here and that I didn't get to be a part of the of the mounted um, stormtroopers. They got to ride the dewbacks. <laughs> Like, he was so would, jealous. He was so ticked off about it. I mean, it was just so good. Uh, I think if you had read this in audiobook form, you would have really appreciated the story a lot better. And it, it makes a ton of sense when you listen to it. I don't know. I really liked it. And I I got excited. It I got excited about, about, um, about the Han Solo book. <laughs> this is what it's gonna be like. I was like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. Like, it was just different, and it was. I think that's kind of the one of the things about this entire book, from a certain point of view, is that we're getting forty different, you know, writers. So you're gonna have all different styles. And this, you know, and Daniel Jose Older's never written a Star Wars book before, but um, you know, obviously they they enjoyed working with him enough that, that he did end up getting his own book. Um, so I think it's not something where I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to like this book if it's like this. It's just something that I think I'm going to have to go into that novel kind of knowing his style a little bit. And now that I've read this, I do to kind of just be prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, I mean, I was laughing at it. I thought it was funny. Um, it was just, his whole obsession with dewbacks and then at the end where he kind of runs off and rides off into the sunset. Yeah, he's like, this is the last time you're ever going to hear yeah, from me. Last time you're here from me. Peace but... out. Goodbye. But even the way they were describing it was almost like he took off his armor and all of his equipment and then he like let the, the sun touch his skin or something. I forget what they're saying. I'm like, did this guy just strip down his clothes and ride, like ride naked totally. into the sunset? He like, totally did. <laughs> this is so it weird. Was so, it was so great. So yeah. this is essentially the, the stormtrooper we're talking about. Sardis Ramson. He is one of the ones that was fooled by Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was saying, you do not need to see his identification. Oh, and he yeah. describes that so well when he's like, I really didn't. There was no reason for me to see it at all. Like, that just seemed ridiculous. 
Oh, that part was hilarious. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about that part. That part was hilarious. I was laughing so hard as I was reading that. I almost want to find the passage just so we so, can So, here, I'm going to play this for you. Um, it's part of the audiobook here. Hang on. Okay. Because the Rebel Alliance is really going to rely on an ancient freak and a teenager who needs a haircut to ferry their top-secret cargo okay. around. The esteemed Commander 110 demands their IDs. If you could see through these stupid buckets we wear, you would have seen my eyes roll so hard. All our eyes, probably, except TD-787, because annoying. Then the old guy's like, you don't need to see his identification. And the first thing I thought was, whoa, is this geezer an Imperial? He just had that way about him, like he was one of us somehow, but busted and goofy and strung out. Maybe it was the accent. That thought really didn't last long, though, because the next thing that happened was that I was absolutely 100% sure that we did not need to see his identification. I mean, to be fair, it didn't seem that necessary in the first place. But listen, you would have had to hold me down and shove his scandox in my face and probably take my helmet off if you really wanted me to see anything. If you wanted me to look at him, it was imperative that I not see them right at that moment. In fact, all I wanted was to get the Kriz out of there, and not just to get sizzled on some Jawa juice either. Seems Commander 110 finally came to his senses too, because then he says, We don't need to see his identification. Bless, I almost yelled, but I kept it contained. These are not the droids you're looking for, old guy says. And he was right. He was so right. It was like, of course they're not. 110 agreed, and then old guy says that he can go about his business, and I'm like, yes, yes, old guy, say that. <laughs> 110 agrees again, word for word, in fact. Move along, this remarkable little geezer says. Commander 110 nods. Move along. And then, because he's 110 and he can't help himself, he repeats it for good measure. <laughs> yeah, that was the best part of the whole story. Yeah, he was like, oh, of course they're not. <laughs> I actually really liked I'm looking forward to the solo book now because I, I hope it's kind of like that you know very Irreverent. not as serious yeah. just, you know kind of like lighthearted, but you know I don't know I feel like that's got a very Han Solo-ish vibe very almost like cowboy western kind of yeah the situation. tone definitely makes sense for a story about Han and Lando or whoever is going to be part of it but even based on the trailers for the solo movie, I could see this kind of being the tone. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it it was definitely different than what we're used to, for sure. But I I think he did ride off naked into the sunset on yeah. Back. That's the way I read it too. I was like, I think he took all his clothes off. <laughs> he was a little. He he had he had been out in the sun a little too long. Little a little bit. Too long. <laughs> All right, so the next one is Fully Operational by Beth Rabbis. And this is the story of Cassio Tag. And let's see, in the audiobook, Fully Operational is narrated by Neil Patrick Harris, which is fantastic. And by the way, Neil Patrick Harris needs to do more Star Wars books. <laughs> he did a great job. So let's see, where is this one? Fully Operational starts on Chapter 103 and goes to Chapter 106. It was too short for me. I love Beth Revis, I think, is my problem. <laughs> I yeah. really love her writing, and I love 
the way that she tells stories and so it was just too short i was like boo yeah it was it was really short it was basically the scene leading up to and through kind of the the conference room scene on the death star mm-hmm. and we get to see kind of what happened before um before tarkin and vader walked in but i really liked kind of all the conversation about krennic and yes the, that was the great the plans and all this stuff that we got to see in rogue one that you know we you know we didn't know about you know the first time we watched a new hope so you when you watch a new hope now it com- it's all from a different perspective but it was cool to kind of see you know how important kind of the events of rogue one were to the overall story and a character like tag who was well aware of the danger you know when when you when you hear him kind of being skeptical in a new hope it carries a lot more weight now because he oh, it, it does. was so aware of like these planes that got stolen and he tried to find out what the planes were but his clearance level wasn't high enough and you know he's kind of like hey man these rebels have these planes we should be a little nervous <laughs> you know um so this was a really cool story i liked it a lot i liked it a lot too and cuz he he dives into the data and he talks about the imperial senators of bail organa and mon mothma and all this stuff and he finds enough evidence in the in the data that he's concluding that these are the rebels that have taken the plans and everything and so it makes so much more sense when he says what he says in the conference room where he's saying you know that they aren't ready blah 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 and admiral Mahdi is being the jerk that admiral Mahdi is and saying that the death star is fully operational or blah 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 and then he, you know, Tarkin comes in and Vader comes in and it's just like this whole thing. And I was just like, oh, this is neat. Yeah, and Tag be- ends up becoming a pretty big character in the Marvel comics. Mm. You know, it's kind of, he even in, I believe, gets put above Vader because Vader's being punished by the Emperor um, by because of what happened at the Death Star, with the Death Star. And so... He like it's kind of cool to see this this story about him and then knowing where it leads for him. So he doesn't end up dying on the Death Star. You know, he had his doubts and he was right to have his doubts. And then he ends up surviving this and being able to actually rise up through the ranks of the Empire. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's he's he's a character that's gotten a lot more. He's gotten fleshed out a lot more with a lot of this new canon that's been released. Yeah. Yeah, so I think Beth Revis did a really good job. Overall, I got my girls in here, Beth, Claudia, and Ray. <laughs> they did a great job. Way yeah. to go. Yeah. It, <laughs> All yeah, my was... young adult authors. <laughs> oh, see, now I'm seeing the pattern of the ones you <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these authors, that even like having Christy Golden's story in here and uh claudia gray and um beth revis are all authors that we've enjoyed to read their stuff and you know there's even there's a lot more you know john jackson miller wrote a story in here and mm-hmm. we didn't get to get to that one Pablo um, Hidalgo's... what's that yeah pablo hidalgo's yeah story. pablo hidalgo so there's there's a lot more stories out here a lot of people's favorites you know um i haven't even read all of these stories yet just because there's been so much uh, stuff that's come out that I've had a hard time keeping up with everything. So th- I'm kind of jumping back in and reading them here and there. Um, but there's a lot of these stories I haven't even gotten to yet. Well, and this last one is the one that you picked. Oh, yes. Wills by Tom Wills. Engelberger, which was actually yeah. the first story I read. 
in That's this. funny that you went from the back. I think, and I don't, I don't know when I first picked up the book, I don't think I realized that it was written in order, kind of in order of the events that happen in the movie. Mm-hmm. I just thought the stories were randomly placed. And so I just saw a story titled The Wills, and I was like, oh, that's probably like force related, and I like force stuff, so I'll just read that one first. <laughs> and and then I read it, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is, <laughs> this was not um, giving me any, any kind of insight into the force. This was one of the, the uh, more comedic stories of the book, but it was hilarious. It is really funny. So The Wills is narrated by Mark Thompson and Jonathan Davis together as a team, which makes it even more awesome. And it is chapter 222 of the audiobook and goes until the end. So I thought you would appreciate this, Aaron, because you did pick this, and it is stinking hilarious. Uh, I was like, okay, so we're reading this, so I fast-forwarded it so I could read it. And... I just could not stop laughing the whole time I was listening to it in my car. It was so good. So here's what it sounds like. Wills by Tom Engelberger. At last it is time. I have heard every version of the story, viewed every holocron, and studied every artifact. A lifetime of preparation has readied me for this noble duty. May the force be with me as I begin the sacred task of writing in the Journal of the Wills. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Well, I mean, it's not really that far away, is it? What are you talking about? Far, far away? I'm saying it's far, but not far, far. Uh... I mean, if anything, I'd say it's a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Yeah, well, the rest of the wills asked me to write this, not you, so it's going to say, A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it is a period of civil war. A period? (laughs) Wow, you really like to keep things vague, don't you? Good grief. What do you want me to put? It's a Thursday afternoon of Civil War? No, that's stupid. (laughs) Maybe the problem is that passive voice. It is a... Kind of weak. Uh, You should really start with an action verb. It's the first sentence, dude. (laughs) It was so good. It goes on. The two of them them together. And then they mention the Ewoks and the one says, you're not going to put the teddy bears in there. Yep. (laughs) And they talk about Darth Maul because he was just like, well, oh, what about, yeah, the, what about Darth great. Maul? He's like, you're not going to talk about Darth Maul. <laughs> he's Darth Maul. <laughs> and then he says, like, so I guess you're not going to talk about Ventress, Ahsoka, Captain Rex, <laughs> Cad Bane. <laughs> he's, so like, well, I can make, he's like, I can make like vague references or something like that. Uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, it, it's because it's all the things that like fans over the years – you know, have either nitpicked about Star Wars or kind of inside jokes that we all have about Star Wars or characters that are popular or aren't popular. You know, everybody, you know, the, it's, you know, people complain about Jar Jar. Some people love Jar Jar. Same goes for the Ewoks. So I th- it's very much self-referential and they're kind of almost like pointing all of this stuff out in a very comedic way. Um so I thought I thought it was really genius. I like I I liked it a lot, and it was a, it was a nice even though it wasn't supposed to be the first thing read, it was a nice uh, way to start out these stories by reading that one first for me. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm glad that we were talking about that one. And it's nice when you have more than one person doing an audiobook. Some of my favorite audiobooks are like an entire cast, like for the Redwall books. They have like a whole casting crew, you know, so it it's pretty cool. There's also another one that's read by both of them, which is of MSE Six and Men, like Glenn Weldon, that story. Okay. Um, that's one that's also read by both of them. Uh I don't know. They just they work together so well, and it was just so <laughs> it's great. And Tom Engelberger has written yeah, some he's really funny hilarious. stuff. So he's, yeah, yeah, he's he was so the funny. right person to pick for that one. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a good one. Also, just some other things from the audiobook. John Hamm does read the Boba Fett story, which is by Paul Dini called Adam Muscle. And I think really that's the only other. Ashley Eckstein does read the story by E.K. Johnston, which talks about one of the characters from um, the Ahsoka novel. Yeah. So you do have Ashley Eckstein narrating some in there. But it's a lot of Jonathan Davis, Mark Thompson, January Lavoie. Does Um, Will Wheaton do his own story? Will Wheaton does not. Mark okay. Thompson reads his. Okay. Saskia Marvelod or Mar- Marlevel does one. She did Leia, Princess of Alderaan, I think. Um, so she does she does one. And then there's one other person that I've never heard, um, Carol Monda. Now, she read Baru, White Sun, Lars, which is essentially like um, Aunt Baru speaking from beyond death. Oh. Uh I didn't get to that one. Yeah, it's pretty cool actually, and she did a good job with that one. But yeah, it's strongly Mark Mark Thompson and Jonathan Davis with oh Janina Gavankar reads one as well. Uh so there's a few here and there that are read by other people, but the audiobook for this is really fun. And now having the chapter list, it's been really helpful because I'm like, oh, okay, I want to read that story. What chapter is that? It's much easier than trying to navigate it. So I'm glad I kind of waited for people to compile this. So now that I, now I can just skip where I want to, screenshot it on my phone and (laughs) and reference back to it when I need to. All right. Well, were there any other of the stories in the book that we, we, we might not have time to talk about, but that stuck out to you as some of your favorites? Um, you know, I just haven't been able to read enough of them, I don't think. But I know that we did ask our Facebook group which some of their favorites were. So Matt Rushing said Master and Apprentice, which we talked about. Time of Death. Time of Death is... Where is it? It's the Kevin Scott story. And let's see. There is another. There is another. Is right after Time of Death. That's by Gary D. Schmidt. He said that they added so much to the mythology of A New Hope. And then Steve Cardali said the Baptist was a guilty pleasure story for him. He said, I really didn't think I'd care for a short story on the creature in the Death Star trash area. <laughs> so the Baptist is by Nnedi Orcafor, and that's actually narrated by January Lavoie. He said he absolutely loved The Luckless Rodian. It was a nice little backstory on Greedo. Another vote for Master and Apprentice. Um, let's see. Franco Sullivan says it's difficult to only pick a few. 
The quality was so good, but there was just something about time of death and there is another that makes the hairs on the back of your hand stand up. Do you know what those two are about? Uh, I think there is another might be the about Yoda thinking about Leia, like where he would have rather trained Leia than Luke. I know that one got a lot of buzz. I just haven't time read it yet. Of, okay, so time of death. Time it focuses on the moment right? when Darth Vader strikes down the old Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and is told completely from the Jedi's point of view. And then there is another focuses on the point of view of Yoda and, let's see, not long after his death at Darth Vader's hand aboard the Death Star, Obi-Wan visits Yoda's hut on Dagobah in the form of a Force spirit. Kenobi informs Yoda that he believes it is time for Yoda to train a new apprentice, a young Skywalker. Yoda jumps at the chance, believing Kenobi is referring to Leia, not Luke. Oh, those are probably pretty cool. <laughs> Let's see. Frank uh, continues to say, also the stories where you read the very last moments of the protagonist were very powerful, in particular Sparks and Desert Sun. So Sparks is the Paul S. Kemp story, and Desert Sun is by Pierce Brown. Desert so. Sun was about Biggs. Mm. So I think it tells the story up into his death. Oh, man. Which I haven't read. I've read about half of that one. I was actually reading that one right before we started recording. Um, but, yeah, there's so much of this that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah, no, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I really want to read it, especially since it takes us through, like, the whole entire movie, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, there's... Greg Rucka and Alexander Freed and there's mm, so many. Yeah. Jason Fry has a story in here, so there's a lot. Oh, he's gonna be mad we didn't review him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Jason. We are reviewing the last Jedi novelization. So. Maybe. Yeah, we totally are. <laughs> and we're reading it, so we're we're totally going to review it. It's coming out. Alright, well, is that it then? I guess so. Right. I mean, but from a certain point of view it was a really good idea, Delray. Good job. Yeah, it was very cool, and there's still more for me to read, and I hope they do another another thing like this. That would be cool if they that did would be one for, for each Oh, movie. yeah, for Empire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that would be great. I would love that, actually. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this was a pretty successful release for them. I don't know how well it sold, but I, it just seemed like just the buzz on social media at least seemed like um, people really enjoyed it. So hopefully it did well enough that we can get more like it. Yeah, I would love that more like this. That's really cool. It gets a lot of people the ability to be a part of the Star Wars universe if they've never written before, and I think it gives Del Rey a a wealth of people to choose from to write Star Wars books based on these short stories, you know, and I think that's really cool. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another show. Um, not sure what we're doing on the next one, but possibly Canto Bite? Possibly. possibly. So we'll see. We'll see. But in between shows, you can reach us on Twitter. We are at SWBookworms, and you can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. Let us know what stories from a certain point of view that you enjoyed. And you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. We also have our Facebook group, which Teresa was just uh, reading comments from. So if you want to participate there, uh, you can sometimes take part in our episodes. And you can find us on iTunes. You can always leave us a review over there. Teresa is Ice Cold Penguin on Twitter and Instagram. And I am A.V. Goins. And until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.